If you have your copy of Scripture with you this morning, I invite you to turn to Psalm chapter 130. Psalm 130, and we're going to read uh, the whole chapter, verses 1 through 7. If you are physically able, would you please stand in honor and reverence for the reading of God's Word. From the depths of despair, O Lord, I call for your help. Hear my cry, O Lord. Pay attention to my prayer. Lord, if you kept a record of our sins, who, O Lord, could ever survive? But you offer forgiveness that we might learn to fear you. I'm counting on the Lord. Yes, I'm counting on him. I have put my hope in his word. I long for the Lord. More than centuries long for the dawn. Yes, more than centuries long for the dawn. Oh, Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord, there is unfailing love. His redemption overflows. He himself will redeem Israel from every kind of sin. Father God, we thank you that there is another in the fire. Lord, we praise you. Because you sent your son, Jesus, to be Emmanuel, God with us. And when he finished his earthly ministry, he assured his disciples. And all disciples since then have been assured by his words when he said, I will not leave you alone, but I will send another helper, another comforter. And now your Holy Spirit is the birthright of every believer. The moment that we come into your family, your spirit descends upon us, takes up residence within us. And so we're never alone. Good times are bad. God, we pray that um, we would learn what we need to do when we're facing the toughest, hardest, most difficult things in life, how, God, you can actually bring good to our lives and glory to yourself as we turn to you. Bless the reading and proclamation of your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Any of you guys ever been in the pit? You ever been there? I mean, it may be a literal pit. For Joseph, it was. It was one his brothers dug for him and threw him in, waiting for him to die. And they decide, well, no, we can sell him as a slave. Uh, For others, it will not be that pit. It might be that fire we talked about. It might be that persecution. It might be uh, that bad news that you get. When we're in the pit, 
We're in the, the difficulties, in the tough spots in life. How we respond to that situation is what really determines what happens. It's more important than being in the pit itself is how we respond to it. What do we do? We've got plenty of options. We can stew on it. Man, we can soul up. We can have a pity party. Uh, we, we can, you know, really talk about how awful and terrible and very bad and no good our day is going or our week or our month or our year, whatever it is. Uh, we can also uh, run our mouth about it to everyone we know and, you know, how, how sorry things are and how unfair life is. We can also pretend it doesn't exist. We can say, hey, everything's fine. We're good. It's wonderful. We can sweep it under that rug. And before we know it, uh, we're standing 20 feet in the air because of all the stuff we've swept under the rug. And we're the only ones that can't see it because we've blinded ourselves to the reality. But the thing that God has called us to do is to turn to him when we face these trials and tribulations, when we face the hardships of life. And God can take these valley experiences, these pit experiences, these experiences that for some people are literally hell on earth because they're the worst thing. They're so miserable and difficult that they don't know how they're even going to go on. When we respond to God, and pour out our lives to him and seek him in prayer. If our response is utter dependence on him, if our response is going to God, then he can transform our lives through these experiences. And I want us to talk today about the psalmist and these experiences. I love the psalms because they're just so real. You know, they don't pretend they don't say, hey, everything's great for everybody who loves God, and that's it, and there's no more story. David and the other psalmist, they lay it out there. And sometimes they say, yes, everything's wonderful. And other times they say, I I'm down in the dungeon. I I I'm, I'm as low as you can get. And he starts saying, from the depths of despair, O Lord, I cry for your help. When we come to God in this way, four things happen. First of all, urgency replaces apathy in our relationship with the Lord. You know, we can be used to normal everyday prayers, whether it be at bedtime or whether it be at mealtime or whatever, and we can get into rather uh, a, a good routine, a, a good rut. Somebody once described a rut as a grave with both ends kicked out. We can get in a rut in life, and we can get to this place where we don't even realize how stuck we are. And our, instead of being fresh and vibrant and authentic over time, those of us who are true, even true believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we can begin to take our time with God for granted. But just wait. Wait until that test result comes in. And it's not what we hoped or expected for. Or when that relationship we thought would always be there is all of a sudden crumbling. Uh, whatever it is, that situation out of the blue comes up and we say, how in the world I'll never pay for this. When we're caught off guard and we realize that we are beyond ourselves, we don't come to God and say, oh, Father, please give me health. No, it's God. I need you to hear me. 
I know you're listening, but I'm just going to say, please focus in really good. Please listen to me. And he uses the word that scripture uses often, not just call out, but we cry out. We say, God, God, I need you. Some of us do it out loud. Some of us, we can't imagine doing that out loud, but in our spirits, we're crying out. And when we begin to move past our own self-reliance and our own, I'm going to fix this somehow because that's what I do. I'm independent and I've always done this myself and I've always taken care of business. When we finally let that, that uh, false narrative go and realize the truth that this situation is beyond us, things get real with God and things get urgent with God. And there is a freshness. Uh, there is that reality there that, that just is so different than just a rut or a routine in our prayer life. Secondly, our gratitude accelerates. Our gratitude accelerates when we turn to God in the pit. In verses 3 and 4, he says, Lord, if you'd kept a record of our sins, who, O oh Lord, could ever survive? But you offer forgiveness that we might learn to fear you. He's taking the grace of God, which was once something that I'm sure that the psalmist would have said if someone asked him in Sunday school, do you think grace is nice? Oh, yes, I think grace is nice. I appreciate what God has done for me. But when we start getting serious about God, all of a sudden we realize all that God has done for us. We start to realize so many times as we've been in troubles, as we've been in, wa in the deep waters, that he has rescued us and all that he's done for us. I love this. He said, Lord, if you keep a record of sins, who could stand? Who could survive? Like none of us apart from God, we can't do enough to make up for all the wrong we've done. It, some people don't grasp that. They just think, well, I've done a lot of good stuff and this kind of balances out. But think of it this way. Uh, imagine you get pulled over one day. You hear those, you see those blue lights. You hear that dreaded siren. You really hope you look around there, anybody going faster than you. And, and after a while, as he stays behind you, it's me. And you pull over. And, and what if, what if you were, he was to say, sir, do you know how fast you were going? And, uh, you know, you get through all that stuff and you admit, yes, I was speeding, you know, I, I was jamming out to Willie Nelson or whatever it was. And I forgot. And uh, I worked that in for you, Alan. Um, <clears throat> I forgot how fast I was going. I wasn't thinking. But officer, I just want to tell you about how good my previous day of driving was. If you would just take into consideration all the red lights I stopped at, there were no rolling stops. I yielded to traffic. I even did the roundabout correctly. I mean, officer, if you would just please think about all the good that I've done and overlook this little bad. That's not going to work, is it? None of us are going to try that unless we, you know, are trying for stand-up comedy or, you know, we just want to see if he'll do something else to us. But that's not going to work because he doesn't care about all this supposed good you did. He knows when you've been caught and done wrong. All that good driving you did before doesn't make up for the speeding you're doing now. And so the silly idea that we have of, oh, well, I do lots of good things, so that makes up for everything bad I do, uh-uh. 
That's not the way life works and justice works. And our God is a God of justice, but if he is only a God of justice and not a God of mercy, the psalmist says we'd have no chance. I mean, none, not one in a million. And so when we get real with God and get urgent with him and we start to think about coming to him and how powerful he is and how gracious he is, all of a sudden we realize we remember the God we know and we get grateful. We get to to a place where we say, oh, God, you're so good. God, I, I know this is a bad time right now, but I've been through bad times before. And God, you've always come through. You've never abandoned me. You've never left me alone. And so, God, I just praise you for your mercy and your grace. And so our gratitude just grows and accelerates whenever we come to prayer, reach out in prayer to God. Third thing that happens, we cling to God's word. Verse 5 and 6. The psalmist says, I'm counting on the Lord. Yes, I'm counting on him. I've put my hope in his word. I long for the Lord more than centuries long for the dawn. Yes, more than centuries long for the dawn. Other versions say more than the watchman waits for the dawn. You know, honestly, uh, when I read this verse and I think about a sentry or a watchman, I immediately go back to the Haiti mission trip that we took several years ago. Because there in our little compound uh, that was surrounded, we had walls and, you know, the gates closed for the night and there were walls around it and the Constantine wire around the top and there was even a tower. And uh, there was a guy at the top of that tower every night and he had a shotgun and he was armed and he was waiting and, 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 you know, I... It was funny, though, because I, I think he got bored up there. Because if you got up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom, about half the time he was in there. So I, I, I don't know. But anyway, I, kept, I would always think, man, I bet that guy can't wait for dawn. I can't, bet that guy can't wait for this graveyard night shift to be over and he can go home and rest when dawn breaks. And that's the psalmist. They had lots of watchmen back then in those days because there weren't security systems or alarms. You just had to have a guard staying up all night. You ever wanted to sleep so bad and you just can't? One of the, let me just go ahead and uh, tell on myself. One of the dumbest things I've ever done in my entire life, and that's, that's, a, that's a big thing because there's lots of those things, but this one was really dumb. When I was a youth minister, I decided to do a lock-in. Now, that's dumb right there. But let me just tell you what was dumber than that is my friend said, hey, we have a great family life center at our church, and you come on and your youth group come over with our youth group. We've got a full gym. We've got a workout room. We've got videos, video games. We've got all sorts of games. We've got everything. These kids are going to love it. They can play ball, skate, do everything. So we go over, and we, we do this whole thing, and, and, uh, and it was a great night. But the problem was, the next morning, about 7 or 8 o'clock, I had an hour drive to get these kids back home to our church. And I remember the kids, they're all all sacked out, every single one of them. 
And I'm sitting here. I've got the windows down. They're like, it's cold. I'm like, I don't care. I got the radio blaring. I want to sleep. I don't care. I'm doing everything I can to stay awake and get those kids home safely. Uh, I did have another chaperone with me, and yet they were just as tired too. So that didn't really help anything. When you want rest so bad, you just hope and cling to that hope of, yes, I'm going to make it and I'm going to get there. We cling. When we get in these situations where we know it's beyond us, we, we hold on to God's word. We, got, we hold on to God's promises and his truths. The things that we already knew mentally, now emotionally we have engaged with them and we realize, God, you're my only hope. Without you, I have no chance. I was thinking about, there's a song called Anchor. Actually, there's a lot of songs called Anchor, but this one particularly by Bethel Music. And it has a line in it. It says, I'm holding on to hope. I'm holding on to grace. I'm fully letting go. I'm surrendered to your ways. And that exactly expresses the attitude of the psalmist here. He says, I'm in the pit. I can't get out. I, I can't save myself. I can't fix this. I can't change anyone else who's causing this situation. I'm in the depths of despair. And God, so I have nothing else to hold on. So I'm holding on to you. And when we turn to God in our trials, we cling to him. We get closer to him and his word and his promises than ever before. Fourth and finally, when we turn to God in prayer in the pit, our faith goes public. In verse 7 and 8, this guy has been talking about himself and his own issues and through this, how he has turned to the Lord and how he has gotten urgent and authentic in his relationship with God and, and, and how he has appreciates God and how he's drawn close to God. And you know what happens when he does that for himself, when he really gets this hope, a hold of him, he realizes, you know, there's other people that are in the same spot as me. And he can't keep this to himself. So he wants to say to his whole country, his whole nation, guys, I was so stupid. I wasn't looking to God. I was trying to fix my own problems by myself. And here's God all along ready to lend me his strength. And so he says, oh, Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord, there is unfailing love. His redemption overflows. He himself will redeem Israel from every kind of sin. He says, no matter what you did, no matter how badly you screwed up to get in this situation, if it was part your fault, all your fault, none your fault, it doesn't matter. Turn to the Lord. You see, when God gets real in your life, you're going to talk about it. When your Christianity, when your faith is just some little compartmentalized section. It's just kind of like, well, we go to Walmart on Friday. We go to church on Sunday. You know, when it's just some little schedule and that's all your faith is to you, you don't talk about it much. But when it becomes the core of who you are, when you realize I am sunk, I am hopeless without God, and he is carrying me through this, you're going to talk about it. Your eyes are going to be open to other people who are hurting and in need. And you're going to want to encourage them. You're going to want to pray for them. You're going to want to reach out to them and say, there's hope. 
There is hope. Even though you're in the depths of despair, God has this. And if you will just look to him, he may not change your situation. He may lift you out of that pit or he may jump down in the pit with you. But either way, God will be there and God will care. And when we get to this point in our own lives where we've done this ourselves, it's not a preachy thing. It's not a, oh, now I'm better and I've done the right thing, so you should too. It's a, man, it's like you see a great deal and you want to share it with all your friends. You know, some people love to do that. You ever, you ever know folks like that? Hey, did you see down there at the Winn-Dixie the price of a beef? Man, they got sirloin for you. I know we don't even have a Winn-Dixie anymore, but you know how there's, I, I know people like this, and I'm amazed that they can keep up with 10 cents drop or rise in the price of produce or beef, or, but, but man, they know it. And they'll tell you, have you heard about this great deal? Because they're excited about it. And when we're excited about God working in our lives, we're that same way. We want to share. Here's something that was great for me, and it can be great for you too. So when you face those pits, don't do like I do a lot of times. You know all that stuff I talked about, about doing before you turn the Lord in prayer? I, I know that because I do that. I stew on it get mad about my problem, get frustrated about how unfair life is, then I'll run off. Eventually, I'll start running off at the mouth to Denise or friends or other people. And, and you know, or then I'll just get tired of thinking about all the negativity, and I'll just try to not think about it, not acknowledge it. And finally, the Holy Spirit will get through my thick skull, maybe kind of slap me around, spiritually speaking, wake me up. And I say, God, I should have come to you. I, why have I waited? I'm in the pit, God, and all my whining, complaining, and all my brainstorming isn't going to get me out. I need you. And when we do that, God can transform us. And that terrible time in the pit can actually become a personal revival where regardless of the circumstances around us in our life, what is going on inside us is a blessing and a work of God. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we all go through the pits. Sometimes they're little bitty potholes and sometimes they're enormous sinkholes. But God, whatever we face, you care. And you don't discriminate uh, because of whether society or others may think it's small or medium-sized or big. God, you care about the things we care about, and you are there with us. You are that other in the fire. Father, stop us from ignoring or forgetting you and help us just to reach out to you in fervent prayer. Help us to realize we don't have to use fancy words. We don't have to pray according to some model or pray like somebody else that we think is some spiritual giant. Lord, we just simply need to talk to you because you are Abba, Father. You are our heavenly dad and you care and you want to receive us. You want to hear us. You want to help us in our time of need. Lord, let us not foolishly Run from you when times are bad. 
because of anger or because of guilt or what, any other reason, God, but let us turn fully to you. Lord, bless this time of response. Now we ask in Jesus' name, amen.